0: Well, we are in a new season. We are in a new series. Uh, we have some banners on the wall. We have new images for you to reflect on. But 2024, we declared last year, last year. We, well, we did internally in class declare it. But in our meeting together last week, we mentioned our theme and we just embraced it together, this theme of the year of transformation. And I hope this week, even as you reflected on that, that you were asking Holy Spirit to say, what is, what is in my life? What needs to be transformed? How do you want to transform this next year? What does it look like for me, for my family, for my household? And, and so last week, we, we looked at our verse together. I want to put it up on the screen here, our themes verse. It comes from Isaiah 43, verse 19. Let's read it together. If you can see that from the very top, it says, remember together, remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And we just truly believe that the new thing that God was talking about, even back in Isaiah, was that there was something that was going to take place that would change everything, and it would be Jesus. That he would transform the way that we are able to come to God through Jesus and his death and his resurrection. And, And he is doing a new thing in us personally and corporately and it's a work of transformation that he wants to do in our hearts. And so we talked about over the next little while, and truthfully, over the ne- this next year, we're going to keep touching base on these different points, but that we were transformed in our worship, our adoration of God, that we'd be transformed in community. We're going to speak about that today, transformed in service, and transformed in our mission, which is to go and make disciples. And so we're going to be unpacking that throughout the year in different ways and, uh, but I was thinking this week about how we are transformed in community. Transformed in community. Joel Woodruff, he's, a CS, he's from C.S. Lewis Institute, he says he discusses the incredible increase in content and information that's basically available to all of us. It's not a surprise. We know, in fact, I have met with people this week who are saying all the different podcasts they're listening to, uh, the different uh, evangelists on television some of them are listening to, depending on the generation. Uh, We have lots and lots of content, don't we? He says it's available to us any day of the week, on our phone, on our computer, on television, in paperback form. But he asked this question. He says, with all this information now accessible about the Bible, Christian spirituality, discipleship, theology. Why aren't Christians behaving more like Jesus? (laughs) Maybe you've asked yourself that same question maybe even this week, but why aren't Christians behaving more like Jesus Christ, he asked. And I think the problem comes down to the fact that, and he says it better than I do, information in isolation doesn't lead to spiritual transformation. Just information enough, it's it's not enough just to to fill yourself with everything that you can get your hands on and how to be a good Christian. All of those things in and of themselves isolated is not enough when it's isolated from others and from accountability and from the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And so today I wanna just unpack a little bit about the reason why Community is necessary for transformation. Uh, This week, well, let me give you a little bit of backstory. About three years ago, maybe, perhaps it was during COVID, uh, but three years ago, I started to, um, I was in a church where there was an artist that rented space down the hall. And that artist, she would do lots of painting and painting classes. And so one day, we brought our church, like a small group from our church to this class to, to do some art. It was just a fun way to gather. We had people who weren't from the church who came and, as well, and people could bring friends, and so I, I, start to, I joined it as well, and so I was painting, and I realized that there was this piece of me that I had left behind way back in grade nine art class uh, that really, really enjoyed doing art, and art of all sorts of, of mediums. Um, how many people enjoyed Lindsay Cox last week who was able to paint a picture for us? Come on. We didn't get to formally thank her, so Lindsay, we just wanna thank you for your work on, on that, um, that painting, which is now in the foyer if you'd like to see it. But uh, art is just, it speaks to us, doesn't it? And some people, they find it very therapeutic. And I realize it's very therapeutic for me to do some kind of art. So I've tried some watercolor painting, I've tried acrylic painting, I've, I've done a few little things. I'm not gonna show you any of my artwork because it's just between me and Jesus, right? And maybe my kids, who I ask them, what do you think of your mom? <laughs> but artwork, uh, it, it has this beautiful effect, and, uh, and it actually is a little bit of therapy for me. So I, I try to, on my day off, once in a while, to like, just get out a paintbrush or, or whatever, to, to actually be able to just process and, and use the creative side of me that wasn't there before. And so this past week, I I decided I didn't want to make all the mess of of getting all the paints out, so I grabbed uh, this art kit that I'd been given by a family member, and I opened it up, and I found these pencils inside. And they're art pencils, and I thought, oh my goodness, I haven't used art pencils since, again, grade 9 art class. And I pulled them out, and I realized there's all these different... Types of pencils in the box. We're not talking about coloring pencils, we're talking about the different uh, grades of pencils used for shading. How many people know what I'm talking about? All right, it's good to know. And so, as I'm pulling these out, different grades of pencils, I'm seeing that some represent this soft shading versus hard lines that give definitions. And I'm, I'm having fun, I'm sketching, I'm realizing there's joy found in having so many options and variations in the box. And uh, on the surface, they don't look very much different, these pencils, they're all the same. But when applied, pressure's applied, they all have something unique to offer the bigger picture. And of course, like a good pastor, I came up with an illustration of that. And I really realize we may have all the information Uh, about worshiping Jesus at our disposal, but without community, without community, you can't truly be the work of art that God intended you to be. He needs the different aspects within the body to make us a work of art. You need other people in your life, and my intent is not to repeat all my messages that talked about the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the family of God. No, what I want to talk about is this actual area of transformation. Why is community necessary for transformation? If you're still working on your uh, New Year's resolution, uh, I wanna congratulate you. How many people are still on track? Raise your hand. Raise it up high, come on. There's gotta be a few. Uh, If there's not a lot of you, that makes sense because uh, we're in week three and researchers suggest that only 9% of people that make resolutions actually complete them. In fact, it goes on to show that 23% of people quit the resolution by the end of the first week, and that 43% quit by the end of January. So I think we're on track here with those expectations. (laughs) There are all sorts of reasons for this. There's the lack of goal setting. There's the unrealistic expectations that sometimes we place for ourselves, and... But among them is this thing, one of the main reasons is actually accountability. Accountability. You know, we are so more successful reaching our goals when we are more accountable. Why do we need community in order for transformation in Christ to be realized? Well, I tried to say this about a dozen different ways, but it always landed around this, that humans, humans are flawed. I had humans are incredibly flawed, but I felt that was dark for a Sunday morning, you know what I mean? But we, we are flawed, aren't we? My husband says I have two flaws. One is I never listen to what he says, and the other was something else, I can't remember. (laughs) Although we are all called to holiness, we we do remain in this constant need of grace, amen? Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. I believe it's why community is so necessary. Community is necessary. It's why Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, fails, the other one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You see, Jesus, he could have had this one-sided ministry to the multitudes, him on the hill, and distance between him and the crowds, but instead he pulled 12 people really close, to do life together, and they did, and they were transformed. He walked with them, he taught them, he corrected them, he loved and encouraged them. He also challenged them, and I know for certain, based on scripture, that they challenged him, not in his uh, godliness, or not in his purity, but rather in his humanity, with their questions, he himself was asked by those in his group. And at times he was probably challenged also by their lack of faith and their lack of understanding, and he communicated that as well. And so my question is this, in light of your need for being challenged, who are you in close community with? Who are you in really close community with? Who do you have that's close to you in light of the fact and that by nature you aren't perfect and you need to be challenged to follow something greater than yourself. That you're not, um, you're not as strong as others see you to be. That you need the encouragement of another one or two people in your life. Humanity is flawed. But the Bible gives us all these pictures and in, in a lot of ways it's implied rather than direct it because of the nature of Jewish culture, that that they did life together, that there was this community that was naturally at work, it was part of their DNA, and so perhaps maybe in a Western culture, we have to teach ourselves, we have to dig deeper, we have to see examples. But I believe that the reason why we need to have community is, is also because collaboration is better than isolation. Thank you. Washington University in St. Louis, it, it explains this. Students engaged in group work or cooperative learning show increased individual achievements compared to students working alone. I feel like there's some amens in the crowd. Even from a completely secular view of things, if spiritual transformation is learning to walk in the way of Jesus, then research shows you will learn better what it means to walk in Christ in a group setting. Because collaboration is better than isolation. I call it collaboration because we've been trained in this kind of learning environment in church culture uh, to come and listen. We're very lecture style, aren't we? And then we leave. But ancient wisdom through the Proverbs says there is a back and forth to the sharpening of our skills when it comes to faith. You probably know this scripture better than I do, but Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens the other. And so even in the context of this scripture, there's this idea that there is something going back and forth, and in fact, we believe it to be a communication. Some of it nonverbal, non-verbal, but there's, there's a lot that is involved in verbalizing things to one another. Because transformation within community isn't void of communication, and that's where we kind of fall. Short. I know, and I've had people say to me here before, that there's times when you've walked into this church and you've walked out of this church and you haven't said a word to one person. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands. But it's possible if you work hard at it. It's possible if you choose not to be the one communicating. Community involves checking in with one another, making sure each other are doing well, praying in hallways for special requests, making plans to meet together during the week. Uh, Diane, I got your email this morning. Thank you. We will get together. (laughs) Don't wait for communication within community to happen. Be the community someone else is waiting for. It's our natural tendency at times, and I think it's because we've, uh, we've, maybe we've mastered the art of small talk. Extroverts more than introverts in that manner. But small talk stays really surface, and I don't know about you, but after a while, the small talk gets kind of, uh, ick. Who said ick? Absolutely. My hope, my prayer is that we would take those conversations that could lean towards shallow and even in a church of this size that we would have at least one, if not two, conversations before, after, or or maybe not during church, but some of you are texting one another and that's okay if it's about this and about what God's doing in someone's life. But here's the thing, is that there needs to be some kind of communication and my prayer is that communication would be spirit led That it would draw us towards something deeper in our walk so that transformation can take place within the community. Not just based on what someone's saying at the front. Not just based on what the scriptures are saying as we're reading them. Yes, those are all important. Those are huge, valuable pieces within the body of Christ. But that community would strengthen the transformation that's happening in our life. The King James Version, it says the same scripture from Proverbs, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So that there's actually a change that could take place and you know that one person, what they're saying, has sharpened or changed that person to be more like the other person in a way that is positive is what the aim is, that you would be more like Christ because they're showing Christ likeness, and there would be this sharpening that would take place. And it would change what others even see happening in your life. The change, the transformation, it becomes visible when one disciple of Jesus is not only rubbing shoulders with another disciple of Jesus, but they're sharing insight and encouragement with another disciple, that they visibly become changed in their dialogue with one another, and sometimes that looks like tears, and sometimes that looks like conviction, and sometimes that looks like joy, and sometimes that looks like peace coming over your life. But you have the ability, you have the power as believers in Jesus, as fellow uh, fellow believers in christ together brothers and sisters to be able to bring that out in moments of encounter that can't all just happen here in this building that must happen by doing life together amen and so that's why uh it's really important as we talk about even the meetups which is only one aspect of this but we talk about meetups which is which is our small group format it's so important to remember that there, we have to take those steps to be able to connect with one another. That's why we've added to the list of ways to connect in small groups as I want to connect with people, but none of these are working for me. <laughs> There's, I need a different option. And that's okay, because we want to walk with you. We know that everyone's on a unique journey. We know we only have a certain amount of leaders, but we want to know that you are interested in growing in your faith within community, and so that's one way. Other way is recently I've had people saying, do you ha- I need someone to mentor me and walk through this journey that I, I can't do on my own, but I need someone to walk with me who's been on this journey before. Beauty of a big church is that there's a lot of different stories. A lot of people who've had a lot of different victories, and, and with God's help, with Holy Spirit's guiding, we can connect people to other people in mentorship relationships, and I pray that by this time next year, there are more people in a mentoring relationship, more people in a small group environment who are growing and being transformed. Why? Because collaboration is better than isolation. Transformation, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, I'm worried about saying that because I feel like some scientist is gonna say, well actually, you can do, <laughs> hear me out though. The transformation in your life becomes a testimony of Christ in you. You can say you serve Jesus, that you are like Jesus, but it's when you're in community with other people who are, m- remember, sometimes flawed, often flawed. It's where we come into the community that the fruit of our life will actually show. And if we decide to hide ourselves from others in community, we will never be able to see if the fruit of our lives is actually reflecting what God is doing on the inside. It can't be in a vacuum. It must come out. It must come out in love so that you can help become the image bearer of God's grace not only for yourself but for others as well and, you know i like different images and put things in our minds that help us to remember some key things that we may have picked up on sunday morning so i, I just put this on the screen any idea what this is representing genesis 1:26, god said let us make man in our image <laughs> I just kept thinking of let us, and I thought of all these different ridiculous jokes, but I thought, we'll just put the image up there, let us, so you'll remember. Even God is a collaborator. God is the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's this trinity. It's the peace that we, we hold true. It's Part of our, our theology, it's, it's the part of our practice and how we, we view God and we worship the, the one true God. He's one God, but he's like one, three in one. It's this amazing piece of the Christian faith. Uh, but when we get to this part early in scripture, where the creation story happens, and he's made all of these different, the creator's made all of these different, different beings Suddenly he comes to the part of making mankind and God says, let us make humans, let's make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God said, let us make man in our image. All other created matter, he said, let there be light. Let there be, let there be. But he said, when creating humanity, it became very personal. And the transformation called on the Trinity, who made a choice to make humankind in their image. It's a collective decision. The triune God collectively created something that represented who God is and was And said it is good. As we move into this next stage of our journey as a church family, I'm very well aware that it's not going to be a few talking heads that are going to make all the decisions about how things are going to look and what the next choices are for us as a church body, but instead there will be this collective agreement, not on every single detail, but on some key pieces because you know, there is, un- there is something that's beautiful and profound about unity within the body of Christ, but it doesn't mean it's always unanimous. That's not always possible. But there's a sense of agreement and unity collectively in the body of Christ. As a community, we value that and we express that creative- creativity together. Why? Because collaboration is better than isolation or a vacuum. We work and we move and we express the image of God in so many different facets, even as we function as a church family. Lastly, why do we need community? And again, this this list isn't isn't everything. There's many other reasons why we need community, but for today, why do we need community in order for transformation to be realized? We need community because healing, healing takes place in community. Uh, I love our pastoral care department and the people in our church. I'm so grateful for Bill Martin. Amen? Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Pastor Bill and his wife Esther, they've been a long... Uh, pastors here for years and, and volunteered and served and on staff and not on staff and at this point in time he's a vital part of our staff and we love him and he is doing everything he does to pa- pastor the church in the area of pastoral care all for free <laughs> which doesn't make us love him any more or less but it's helpful <laughs> And it's his choice. He says, "No, I'm, I'm in the community. He's doing his, another job that he loves to do. He's involved in the community, uh, and he's nearing the age where he just wants to be able to settle down a little bit, but he, with all of his heart, he cares and loves this church family. And the other pastors as well, this church, just what of that pastoral giftings they try to serve, and they just love people. And I know that, wow. There's tangible ways that we do that and we can't do, at church of this size, we can't do everything we want to do all the time because it would just be far too costly (laughs) to be able to just pour in love in the area of gifts and giving. But if there's one gift I would love to give every person who's going through a difficult struggle, whether it be a diagnosis, whether it be uh, depression or anxiety, whether it be a loss in their family. It would actually be this one thing. It would be the warmest, most coziest blanket that they would ever have known, and it would show up at their house, and it would be a symbol and a reminder that the body of Christ is wrapping their arms around them during that season. Now it's possible that I'm saying this because that's the gift I would like to receive. <laughs> we kind of give gifts, don't we, in the things that we love to receive. I remember at one time I just kept giving my mom teas and she loves teas, but she's like, Michelle, you're the one who really loves tea. I, she still had tea from two years ago and I just kept giving her tea. She never said that actually because she's too gracious, but, <laughs> gracious as a mom, but I realize I'm giving the gift that I want to receive. But hear, hear me out. We give gifts to people that represent, we try to represent somehow the healing that we want to see take place in their life. And I love how Jesus said, as he was coming into Jerusalem, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather you, gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under his wings. And the psalmist talks about, I sing under the shadow of your wings. And the body of Christ, who's to represent the image of God, who represents the New Testament work that has taken place, that is to to reach people, to transform people, to see lives changed, it should always be posture to wrap our arms around those who need gathering. Wrap our arms around those who need healing. Healing for brokenness. But also healing that can only come through repentance as well. Because when we wrap ourselves in truth, which is what we're to do as the body of Christ as well. We, we represent and we acknowledge truth, even in those conversations we have with one another. But when we wrap ourselves in truth, we find the strength to embrace a healing journey. In the scriptures it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith that, that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is faithful, he who, who promised is faithful. But it goes on to say this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. There is something to be said about how we posture ourselves, how we open our arms, how we bring people in, and it's for the the recognition that we are the body of Christ, that we've been redeemed by Christ himself, but it's also to make room for people to come and be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It makes room for people to come in repentance and receive forgiveness and be able to be transformed in their walk. And your words of encouragement your posture to, to be that warm blanket surrounding others, your words of encouragement, they bring healing to another person, physically sometimes, with the comfort of love from others. But most often it's spiritual that something spiritual is happening when you put a covering around those within the body. Last week we, we said these words, transformation comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and we get to be active participants. I believe that the Bible speaks to us about how we can be active participants even in this area of accountability which helps us to reach our desire and our goals our aspiration to be transformed in the likeness of Christ. James five sixteen says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He's not talking about somebody else. He's not talking about the leader of that church. He's not talking about the mentor that you look up to. He's talking about a righteous person, those who have been made right before the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, your prayers make a difference. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. So that your brother and sister in Christ doesn't go, oh, I can't believe you did that. can't believe you're struggling with that. You're not who I thought you would be. No, instead, it's so that person may pray over you. Or pray you can pray over someone who's come to you because you're in relationship. You're in community together. And they can say, I need to be restored. I need to start over and there's safety for that in community. There ought to be safety for us in community. James 5 also says, is is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make that sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And that's why we're to confess our sins to one another. That's why we're to walk in this, not again in a vacuum, but walk in community with one another because of the truth that healing takes place in community. And God wants to do a transformation in our lives that will transform entire communities. It starts with us choosing to keep ourselves in proximity to community. Sometimes it helps with us choosing to have the conversations, even with those in our small community, in our home, our husbands, our wives, or or our children, and we need to have those real honest conversations. Practice it there first, (laughs) confessing to one another the need for salvation. But then it grows and it becomes ability to be able to do that in safe environments, small groups, mentorship, relationships, and friendships that go deeper than the surface so where does this bring us to today? Well, I'm gonna call the worship team to come on up. The question is, what action do we need to take to be fully in community as a believer? Well, first of all, I want to break a myth. (laughs) If we were to go back to that picture of the pencils sitting on a table, some of us believe the lie that you have to be the sharpest pencil in order to be put back in the box. It's not the case. That's not your role. You don't have to be the sharpest pencil, have the perfect Christian walk, to have it all figured out, to be on already on a certain track and a certain point that you should be at this age, at this stage, at this experience in your Christian walk. You don't have to have it all figured out. You can let the artist, your creator, the refining, the sharpening through His Holy Spirit and through collaboration with the body of Christ, iron sharpening iron, that you would be able to come forth in a way that would help you to bring your own perspective, your own shading, your own wonderful dimensions to the body of Christ. But you got to be in the game together. You gotta be in the box together. You can't do life alone. Holy Spirit, these are just words on a page if you don't breathe your life into them in our hearts. God, I'm learning very quickly that even messages that seem like they're insignificant at the time are actually very timely in individuals' lives, that the Holy Spirit is bringing to the surface things that we need to hear, and the rest might go to the wayside, but there's something here for everyone today regarding transformation in community, through community, with community. And so God, I pray that you would sharpen our insight that you would speak to our hearts even in this moment, and that we would take an action today, perhaps to sign up for a group, perhaps to reach out to a friend or someone in church who used to be a friend and reconnect and and have those conversations that aren't just shallow, that we would choose to be a part of with others, Lord, that we would serve with others so we're in more connection with one another, that we would reach out to a pastor and and express our needs, that we would confess to those trusted members in our household or, or those who are in community in our groups that we would say, I need help, I need God's forgiveness, I need to work through these areas of struggle in my life. I can't do it by myself anymore. We pray by the Spirit of God that the enemy would be silenced in Jesus' name, telling us that we can do this all by ourselves. It's not true. It's not true in Jesus' name. Find your people. Find your community. And allow the God of all gods to gather you together collectively under his wings today and tell you you are safe, you are redeemed, you are a work in progress, and he has more for you. He wants to transform your life. He wants to bring forgiveness and wholeness. He wants to give you brighter days ahead and vision. Allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of those truths today, we pray. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.